from Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1 to 13. Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Be with you. I guess it's uh, appropriate for me to bring official greetings from the hub. Uh, We think of you guys regularly. We uphold you in our prayers, and it's always encouraging to hear that you guys do the same for us. Uh, I hope you have been enjoying the sermon series that we're in at the moment on the book of Proverbs and learning about God's wisdom and what that looks like in our lives. Uh, This morning, we're going to continue that by looking at the theme of laziness and diligence. Uh, So if you'd like to turn with me, Proverbs. We're going to read from chapter 6. This is the famous passage which speaks about the ant. Uh, This is Proverbs 6. We're going to read verses 6 to 11. So Proverbs 6, starting at verse 6. Go to the ant. O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, 
a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Amen. Uh, Let's just pray before we dig into this. Lord God, we thank you for the book of Proverbs and that you have given us so much wisdom in this book. Lord, as we come to it, we pray that you would open our eyes. Lord, we realize that all wisdom comes from you. And so we ask that you would give it to us this morning in abundance through the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, would you enable me as I speak? And Lord, would these be your words uh, that speak to our hearts and change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think in Australia, it seems to me that laziness really isn't a big deal. In fact, laziness is often seen as kind of cool. It's, you know, maybe you remember being at school. Some of you, that might be a bit of a stretch, but you remember how nerdy it was to listen to the teacher and to do your homework. That's, that's not cool, at least until the day before the exam, and then everyone wants to be your friend and steal your notes. I remember when I was at uni, students used to brag about how they finished an assignment really late, or how they tricked the lecturer into giving them an extension, or how they smashed out a 2,000-word essay in one evening because they'd just been binge-watching this amazing TV show that just came out. Tradies on the work site. It's, it's fun to slack off a bit, especially when the boss leaves on a job. Everyone slows down. We laugh about sneaking that long lunch break, maybe, having a look at social media when no one's looking, clocking off 10 minutes early and rounding it up. But it's all pretty minor, isn't it? (laughs) What's the big deal? Surely these things aren't really hurting anybody. Well, according to Proverbs, a casual bit of laziness might be a lot more serious than we think. It could be a slippery slope leading straight to disaster. See, the theme of laziness is actually talked about in Proverbs more than any other topic. And the language that's used is incredibly blunt. You might have even picked that up in the verses that we just read. The lazy person, or the sluggard, it's a great word, isn't it, is described with hyperbole and with sarcasm. And it's not just intended to ridicule the person. I think it's intended to warn them to motivate them. Have a listen to Proverbs 19, verse 24. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to its mouth. So lazy he can't even be bothered feeding himself. Or Proverbs 12, verse 27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. See, he's too lazy to even cook his meat before he eats it. In chapter 6, verse 9, we see this picture of a person who lies around all day sleeping. Sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? In fact, the Proverbs about laziness speak about sleep all the time. Proverbs 26, verse 15 says, As a door turns on its hinges so does a sluggard on his bed. Isn't that great? I don't think this reference to sleep is saying that sleep is evil, or that you're not entitled to your eight hours. 
but it's an exaggerated picture of someone who's just lazing around all day. All they do is sleep. They achieve nothing with their lives. And then, bang, poverty sneaks up on you like a robber. And suddenly your life is falling apart and you don't even know why. And laziness, it leads to hunger. It leads to poverty, to unsatisfied cravings, and ultimately to destruction. That's what the Proverbs teach us. And so in chapter 6, verse 6, the Proverbs give us an alternative way to live. There's another way. It's the way of the ant. I wonder if you've ever stopped to look closely at an ant. They are remarkable little creatures, aren't they? They're always moving so fast, hustling, bustling, back and forwards, foraging for food. Sometimes you see them carrying something that's like twice the size of their own body. They're always planning ahead. They're working hard to make sure that they always have food. And Proverbs says, if you want to be wise, you're going to be as diligent and hardworking as an ant. And what's the result of living like this? Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 13 verse 4, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So at first glance, it seems pretty simple, doesn't it? If you're lazy, you're going to be poor. And if you're hardworking, you're going to be rich. But you and I both know that that doesn't always seem to play out in our lives, does it? Lazy people might score a big inheritance and never do an honest day's work in their life. Hardworking people sometimes slave their whole careers and seem to always do it tough. We need to remember as we start that proverbs aren't promises. They're not guaranteed 10-step programs to success. We only have to read some of the other wisdom books in the Bible, like Job and Ecclesiastes, to realize that the righteous don't always prosper. So what we want to do this morning is we want to dig a little deeper. We want to find out why God thinks that laziness and diligence are such important issues. And I think it's really important that we do this when we live in a society that is bombarding us with entertainment and leisure, and materialism. Let's just take half an hour to stop and think about what laziness and diligence really are and what the results of them might be in our lives. So to do this, we're going to look at three things that the Proverbs teach us about diligence. These are three marks of what it looks like to be a diligent person. We can compare ourselves to them. It will help us to think about whether we are diligent people. So the first thing we want to see is that wise people are diligent in serving God. Lots of the Proverbs about laziness say that it's good to work hard because it leads to wealth. But then we read Proverbs like chapter 23, 4 to 5. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Because when your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings flying like an eagle toward heaven. And I think we need to say that both of these teachings are true. 
on the one hand, it's really important that we work hard. We need to put food on the table to provide for our families. And oftentimes, it's true that those who work hard are going to do well. They're going to become wealthy. And through that wealth, they're going to achieve great things. But at the same time, we need to see that wealth really is fleeting. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, Don't store up treasures on earth, because moths and rust and thieves will destroy them. See, on its own, wealth doesn't satisfy. In fact, it brings more trouble and stress and responsibility, and ultimately it leads to disaster. One of the keys to applying the Proverbs is to remember that their application has to begin in the heart. Wisdom isn't just about making smart choices. Wisdom is about the heart. It's about our relationship with God. We know those famous words, Proverbs 1 verse 7, don't we? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What does that mean? It means if you aren't working for the Lord, you're wasting your time. If you aren't investing in the things of eternity, then your hard-earned wealth is actually useless. So the first mark of a diligent person is that the way you live and work is motivated by a desire to serve God. The way that you live and work is motivated by a desire to serve God. See, at a basic level, all of these Proverbs are teaching us one key principle. Work is good. All of these Proverbs, they praise people who work hard. They're not just wise sayings, just giving you a heads up that it's good to have food in the pantry. No, as we piece these Proverbs together, they actually show us how to live with the grain of the universe, how to live the way God intended and designed us to live. They show us that God's designed us to work. This is what we read in Proverbs 14, 23. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. In all toil there is profit, meaning it's inherently good for us to work. We remember back in Genesis, at the very start of the world, this is how God made us. The Bible begins with an account of God working, and then he makes humans in his image and he calls them to work. Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So work is the God-given way in which we provide for our families. It's the way in which we create and design and improve. It's the way in which we can be generous and bless others and build thriving communities. And through all of these things, it's the way in which God will be glorified. God's glorified when we live the way he's designed us to live. And now I hope we start to see why laziness is such a big deal. Because it goes against everything that we were made to be. Here's what laziness is at its root. Laziness is the idolatry of oneself. Laziness is selfishness. Laziness says the world revolves around me. I only work if I want to, on the things that I want to. 
No one can tell me what's right or wrong. There's nothing I'm willing to submit to. There's nothing that has the right to trump my happiness. Nothing that I should have to sacrifice my freedoms for. You might be thinking, this sermon's actually not really for me, because I'm not lazy. In fact, if anything, I tend to overwork, and you should probably preach a sermon that tells me to just slow down a bit. Well, our fall into sin hasn't just affected us by making us lazy. It even corrupts our hard work. Some of you guys will relate to this. A good thing like work becomes something that defines us. What's the first thing you ask when you meet someone new? So what do you do? We turn to our work to give us a sense of security, of purpose, of, of worth. And ultimately, we're actually turning to our work for redemption. In his book, Every Good Endeavor, Tim Keller talks about a woman who told her friend, I love being pregnant because it's the only time where I feel like I'm being productive all the time. Even when I'm sleeping, I'm doing something. See, her identity was built entirely around what she could achieve. And she was relieved to find something that she could do that was productive all the time. For some of us, our hard work isn't so much motivated by desire to glorify God, but because that's what good Christians do. Maybe you were raised with that Protestant work ethic which says it's just good to work hard and how dare you be lazy. You work hard because you don't want to be like those lazy people. Before we can truly apply these proverbs to laziness, about laziness and diligence to our lives, we need to realize the true state of our hearts. We need to realize how profoundly selfish and sinful we are. And it was because of this problem that Jesus stepped into our world. Jesus didn't work to accumulate wealth or status. Jesus wasn't lazy either. Jesus came to do the work that we couldn't do. He came to bring us back to God. His work brings the redemption that our work never can. And when we stand here in the light of the gospel... It radically changes the way that we work. Because we no longer work to affirm us. We are already adopted as God's children. That's our identity. We no longer work to prove ourselves because we are already justified by God. And so our work goes from being something that is primarily an act of selfishness to something that's all about glorifying God with our lives. That's what Romans 12 was talking about earlier. Well, we said that the first mark of a diligent person is that your work is motivated by a desire to serve God. What's that going to look like in practice? Let's just quickly think about a few things. It's going to mean that you're diligent in spiritual things. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. This touches on what Andrew said earlier about Psalm 139. It begins in your own heart. 
diligence is seeking a personal relationship with God. It's diligence in fighting sin and in growing in righteousness. Are you diligent in spiritual things? It will mean that you look to God in everything you do. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. How easy is it to get up in the morning and start work and ticking things off the list and get to lunchtime before you remember that God even exists? Isn't that just pure folly? To pour out blood and sweat and tears into your work and not even commit it to God. It will mean that you're responsible with your money, but not driven by it or consumed by it. It'll mean that you work hard, even when no one's watching, because God is your boss. He's the one who you report to. And it will mean that you not only work hard, but you also rest deeply. I could preach a whole other sermon on rest, and I just can't. But suffice to say, the gospel not only motivates you to work hard, but it also liberates you to rest deeply. See, as you rest from your work, one day out of seven, you're declaring that your trust is in God. He's the one who keeps the world running, not you. He's the one who provides for your family, not you. And so Sabbath rest helps us to get perspective on work as a whole. It puts it in its proper place. So as we hear a message on laziness, let's not confuse that with good rest. Good rest isn't laziness. It's a deep and intentional trust in God. Our second thing that we want to see is that wise people are diligent in investing in the future. We like to think that laziness is pretty harmless, don't we? But Proverbs reminds us that small actions can have big consequences. Like the sluggard in chapter 6 verse 10, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. We know how this works, don't we? Just a little bit more. And then slowly our little choices become habits. And our habits become a lifestyle. Our lifestyle becomes our character. Just a little more sleep. Just a little bit more food. Just a little more TV. Just a little less productivity at work. Just a little more video gaming. Just a little more me time. And things that are good in moderation become serious problems in our lives. See, we might be tempted to think that laziness is harmless. But God tells us that laziness is never neutral. It's destructive. Proverbs 18 verse 9 says, Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Laziness actively destroys our lives. And often we don't realize it till it's too late. Until we're fired, or we're divorced, or we're broke. The lazy person favors instant gratification. He chooses the easy road. He lives in the moment. He quits when it's hard. Does that sound like you? 
the irony is that when you choose the easy road, you actually end up making your life harder. Whereas the diligent person is careful about how he invests in the future. He's responsible. He plans. Proverbs 21 verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everybody who is hasty comes only to poverty. So this is the second mark of a diligent person. You're careful about how you invest your money, time, and energy. You're careful about how you invest your money, time, and energy. Diligence isn't as simple as just working hard. It's possible to work hard, but to invest in the wrong things. Proverbs 12.11 says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Some of you may be highly motivated and hardworking, but what are you investing in? Could it be that your labor is misdirected towards worthless pursuits, towards things that aren't important? It's even possible that your labor is directed towards something really good, but you're neglecting other important areas of your life. How's the balance going between your work life and your family life? How's the balance going between your studies and your social life? How's the balance going between your savings and your giving to the church? Being careful and diligent about what we invest in is going to have an impact on every area of our lives. It's going to affect our marriages. Are we lazy in the way that we love our spouses? Do we work hard at our relationships? Husbands, this speaks to me in quite a convicting way. Are we diligent in the way that we lead in our marriages and our homes? It's going to affect the way we use our money. Are we responsible in the way that we save and budget and invest? Or do we tend to choose the easy road of instant gratification, the, in, the interest-free, get-it-now option? Do we invest our money not just in the property market, but in the kingdom of God? It's going to affect the way we treat our friends. It's going to affect the way that we disciple and mentor other Christians. And the list could just go on, couldn't it? So we've seen that wise people are diligent in serving God and that wise people are diligent in investing in the future. Lastly, we want to see that wise people are diligent in the little things. See, everywhere we go, the world waves a picture of success in our faces. Beautiful people academic excellence, career success, sexual excitement, fame, popularity. But what about the mother who spends her day changing nappies and cleaning up messes that never seem to go away? What about the factory worker who puts in long hours just to earn minimum wage, fighting to feed his family and stay out of debt? The reality is that much of the world's population is never going to experience any of the things that the world calls success. 
and we can either keep chasing this elusive dream or we can give up and feel like our lives kind of missed the mark. Well, that is until we turn to God's Word because Proverbs is really encouraging when it talks about what it means to be successful. Proverbs 6 verse 8 held up an ant as a model of diligence and wisdom. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. That's it. Preparing food, being responsible for the future. Wise people are faithful in the simple things, the little things, the important things. This isn't the only time that Proverbs talks about ants. In Proverbs 30, verses 24 to 28, we read this. Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard you can take in your hands, and yet it is in king's palaces. What's the point of this proverb? It's saying that true success isn't about being strong or famous or impressive. True success is found in humble diligence. The faithful and the humble can achieve great things in their homes and their families and their churches and their workplaces by being quietly diligent. This is going to look different for everyone. We've all got different jobs, different abilities, different opportunities, different levels of health and energy. But true wisdom is doing what God's given you to do with diligence to the best of your ability. And this is the third mark of a diligent person. You work hard at the little things, even when they seem unimpressive or menial. And in doing this, you bring glory to God. So we've seen three marks of a diligent person. I wonder how you're comparing to them. Their work is motivated by a desire to serve God. They're careful about how they invest their money, time, and energy. And they work hard at the little things. Why do we often tend to be lazy or to overwork? Oh, I think it's because we often don't really believe that our work is good. We don't really feel like our work even makes a difference. It feels like hard slog sometimes and not much reward. But as we come to Jesus, our work takes on new meaning. Jesus' work on earth is to redeem and heal the world. And he's inviting us to be part of this project. Not by leaving our secular jobs and joining monasteries or becoming pastors. No, Jesus invites us to shine the light of the gospel into every corner of our lives. Into our families. Into our marriages into our friendships, into our businesses and our churches and our neighborhoods and our communities. 
Proverbs 21, verse 26. All day long the sluggard craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Your work, my work, is no longer primarily about you and what you can get out of it. Your work is primarily about glorifying God and blessing other people. Isn't that an amazing privilege that we've been given? That even though we're such sinful and flawed people, Jesus welcomes us to him and he invites us to be part of this project to restore and heal the world. Let's pray to him now. Lord Jesus, thank you that it is on your heart to heal and restore this world, to grow it, to develop it, Lord, to bless people, to make thriving communities and churches. And Lord, thank you that through our work, we can be part of this. Lord, we pray that you would give us a new perspective on our work so that we no longer trying to run away from it and tending towards laziness. And so that we're no longer trying to be redeemed by it and so we work ourselves into the ground. Lord, give us a healthy perspective on work that comes from you, we pray. We thank you that the work has already been done for us in Jesus and that we are your children. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're going to stand and sing live